everyone, and welcome to the Leading in a Crisis podcast. On this podcast, we talk about all things crisis management with a special focus on leadership. We deliver this through interviews, storytelling, and lessons learned from experienced crisis leaders. I'm Tom Mueller in Houston. I'd like to welcome my co-host, Mark Mullen, who's joining us again from Bellingham, Washington. Hey, Mark. Hi, Tom. Happy to be here. Today's episode is a continuation of our conversation with Adam Wine, a 30-year veteran of the U.S. Coast Guard and a well-respected crisis leader. Today, we focus on what can happen when a crisis response becomes overtly political. Adam has several stories to share on that, including one where he says the government asked him to lie about what was happening in that response. Let's rejoin the conversation now. Speaking about adapting and overcome, I my mind goes to a recent event on the West Coast that was basically taken over by the politicians. What do you do, or can you share with us as, as an experience you had where politicians basically tried to take over their response or take over the communication or assert their will over what the response was? The first time that it really occurred uh, that I noticed was do you remember the uh, airplane that went down up in New England and it had the uh, the Kennedy kid on board? Yes. Okay. So the Coast Guard has a policy where after you do a search and rescue or uh, mission and a certain amount of hours and expenditures have gone by and based on what the people were wearing and the temperature of the water and the weather conditions, the chances of finding somebody alive at a certain point, they say, okay, after this point in time, the chances of that individual being alive are uh, almost nil. We usually stand down a search and rescue and just go to, if anybody sees anything in the area, notify us because, well, we only have limited resources and there's always search and rescue cases going on around the country. So you can't have all that uh, resources being dedicated to one location because else other locations suffer. Well, we had dedicated a lot of Coast Guard research uh, vessels and uh, aircraft and personnel to go search for this guy. And we went past this uh, time frame where we should stand down. And that, the first time I saw political interference was when the president uh, at that time said that we will continue this search because of all the sacrifices that that family had done for this country. Uh, I felt a little put off by that because we were conducting a search up in the Great Lakes that we just had to stand down. And the guy was a World War II veteran from Normandy. And uh, I, I couldn't balance the two of them there. So I thought, what, what's going on? Why is because one guy's famous and the other guy actually had all of his buddies and friends killed landing on the beach? How come the one guy, because it's, you know, I, I, I didn't see a parody there. Definitely a uh, this person's famous because and now we, we're going to spend more Coast Guard resources for searching for the individual. Uh, that was the first time I saw politics kind of flying into something. I actually even called to find out what's going on. We're in violation of our own policy. Well, you know, the president's is in charge of the uh, the military, so he can set that. So there wasn't any argument there. That's just how it went. Uh, one of the other ones was a shortly after that was a major oil spill in, in California. And this is one where I think I was listening to some of your, your uh, podcasts and uh, somebody might have brought this up before. Uh, the response 
the actual physical operational response was fantastic. They actually had skimming vessels out on scene within a half an hour of the actual spill. Now, I've been in national level spill response exercises where we deploy equipment and we know when this is going to occur and they can't get their equipment out that quickly. Okay. Uh, half an hour. It was, it was, it's, it's an incredible. However, the public affairs part of it was fumbled and it became, you know, a disaster for public affairs because there was a lot, a lot of mismanagement coming out and most of it was coming from political types saying that things weren't getting done and this wasn't happening. And now they were telling straight out untruths. They were lying to the public and the media and the statements they were making. But politically for them, it was beneficial. And it became a, the spill is perceived as a disaster by the public, but it's a, uh, uh, an example of operational response that is still used and held up as this is how you do operational response. I mean, how do you balance those two things? I mean, operationally, the actual job was done the best it could be done, the best that it had been done in the world at that time, yet it was being portrayed as a disaster by the political types, mainly because the uh, this crews out there did not use the ICS system not the operational folks, the, the PIO liaison type folks did not want to do it that way. They had their own way of kind of doing things, which was pretty much not doing things. And it became a disaster. Uh, so, Adam, was there was that the case where the the politicians, the elected officials really weren't getting information that they wanted and needed because the communications effort was failing? Or was it really just more sort of political opportunism here weighing in uh, and taking advantage of this unfortunate event for their own publicity? The latter. There was definitely, hmm. because it wasn't being done right, they could run with any meshes they were going because there was no coordinated meshes coming out from the response. So there was a, there was a hole and the polit politicians use it to their best advantage. Unfortunately, that trend with the politicians using things keeps growing. And uh, that's what I saw towards the end of my career, how much politics, politics and well, politicians would uh, begin to interfere with response. So Adam, let me uh, just build on that because during the Deepwater Horizon response, you know, we yeah. saw that frequently, yeah. you know, parish presidents standing out in front of the CNN cameras and talking to Anderson Cooper and saying, the company's not here. They're not doing anything. And yeah, you know, that was, was going to be my next one. I uh, I I did Deepwater Horizon as well. I I was I was in headquarters at that time and uh, working as program manager for the Coast Guard's public affairs program. And um, I was actually sending people to the response. That was part of my job, you know, to find mm -hmm. available Coast Guard work. And I realized eventually it was going to go on long enough that I might as well self deploy. And so I, I did. I ended up self doing one myself down. I was in, I went to I went to Mobile initially, and we got down there. And I was stood up a jick. That was one of the times where I was the qualified PIO, but I used a junior person to be the PIO because they needed the experience as a PIO for advancement. And I just served as how do I call it? You could call it their deputy, but in fact, 
I could kind of overrule anything he said or did if he did something wrong, but I was just there to make sure. And we, you know, and I've made him go through and do all the things, best practices. And we had a great JIC team and we were out putting media out on boats and responding and stuff. And we were highly successful. Uh, we had the public on our side, the media in that area was getting all the things they needed. So, you know, they could go out and see that boom was being deployed to protect, uh, various parts of the coast or uh, channels and they could get out in the helicopters and fly out and see all the equipment, everything going on and everything. We were, we were very, very well liked and the populace, the community was happy with us. We had a good working relationship with the, uh, the government officials, because I would set, we would, you know, work with the liaison officer who was a friend and he just basically worked, he just worked in the jet with us and we'd set up the boats and go out and escort the uh, VIPs out on site and take them out to whatever they needed to do. And a lot of dog and pony show, but that really goes a long way to making people feel good. Very successful. And then uh, I got called by a guy from Area Command saying they were having a lot of trouble in uh, Louisiana down near Cocotry. And would I go out there to fix it? And I can, well, you got a lot of people. What do you need me for? You know, and he says, well, you know, you, you know, all how to make all these things happen. I says, okay, but you know, you're asking me to go out and fix it. That means chief warrant officer wine going to go fix it. And he says, okay. So he says, yeah. So I got a, a leave of absence from uh, mobile and I went out to Cocotree and immediately put the media on the boats. We went out to the sites and started conducting briefings and got guys up in the helicopters. And I had one media guy goes, you know, I've been here for two weeks, two weeks. What's going on? I go, what do you mean? He says, I've been here for two weeks. And suddenly in the last three days, I've been on an airboat. I've been on a Coast Guard boat and I've been in a Coast Guard helicopter. And I've got nothing, nothing prior to this time. Um, well, I was just doing the job. And I was consulting with the local incident commander. And what was going on was, is that the guys up at area command and the public affairs staff thought that they had to approve everything that at the incident level, not realizing that the area command staff is just the area commander's PIO staff. And they don't oversee the chicks and the pub PIO that works for the incident commander. So I ran everything through the incident commander and he just let me go with it because, well, he was a responder and we knew each other from other responses and it was going really really well and uh essentially because it was looking really really good and everything was going really really well there was somebody i don't know who uh was not happy because it was starting to make it look like the uh, responsible party was doing their job which they were and that the uh, Coast Guard was on top of it and making sure that, uh, you know, the responsible party was doing their job and that we were working together as a team and successfully doing what we needed to get done. Somebody didn't want that information going out that way. And they uh, basically stopped, put a stop to what we or tried to stop what we were doing. Essentially, I ended up basically saying, hey, no, that's not what's going on. This is what's going on. And I explained it to a uh, AP reporter so that he could understand it because he did. There's a lot of entries that went in with it. I says, well, you want to know this is the situation. This is going on. And, and this is somebody stopping us. And uh, and they're also we would put together news releases and they, they were being stalled at the area command for no reason. Right. I finally tracked down that the area command was bumping them up. So our news releases went to the area command for approval, which is not how it's supposed to be. 
And then the area command would bump them up to the next level. The next level above the area command, we were Homeland uh, Homeland Security because yeah, they were typically it was the White House. A lot of the press releases and, yeah. were being bumped to the White House. And eventually it went to the White House. That's what I figured out. And I, that's what I reported. I said, this is the process and this is what we're dealing with. This is why it's going so slow. I was just going straight to the inter commander and making it happen. Basically one of those things where I was doing it with following the rules and not following what these people kept saying you needed to do. Think, guys, that's not how it's supposed to be done. So I was, uh, I was following presidential directive that says we follow NIMS ICS, where the other thing was all unofficial. And uh, there's no, nothing in writing. People would just try to tell you this over the telephone. And um, anyway, so I got in trouble for doing that and was was told that I needed to tell reporters, you know, that, uh, that, that it wasn't going to the White House. And of course, that was a lie. And you're not allowed yeah. to tell lies in my position. And uh, because of that, I got fired by the White House from my job. <laughs> OK, so I, I, they basically they removed me from the position and sent me to the area command to do nothing for a while for a little bit. And uh, I, I was I was kind of shocked. I mm-hmm. never had that happen before. So I was like really put out. I didn't know what to do there. Uh, and then it dawned on me that I was actually on loan from a different incident commander, and I just went back. Mm-hmm. To the they were telling me all about. I remember we I actually had a showdown with a guy saying, you know, well, you're in a lot of trouble. I says, how am I in trouble? And he goes, well, you know, you you did this, and the, you weren't supposed to do that. I says, well, sir, I says right here in our guidance that we have to tell the truth, and that even if it's not, you know, beneficial to the Coast Guard, we're public affairs specialists, not public relations. We are not here to guard the reputation of the Coast Guard. We are here to. Our, our reputation is to be guarded by the actions we do. And if something we've done is wrong or failed or incorrect, then it goes out to the public who we work for. Uh, we are a public servant. And I says, and you can't lie because you are in violation of the law. And I says, so if, if I'm in trouble, sir, I'll just, add, I says, we're just, I just take it to a court martial. And that's going to be really interesting when they come down and I say, well, yeah. I had to tell the truth, but this officer here kept insisting that I lie. I said, sir, how's that going to go down? He goes, you? And I says, and I've got witnesses that, uh, well, everything I did, I've got the names and the numbers. So fascinating story there, Adam, because that's the ultimate political intervention into a, uh, you know, a, a major crisis response. And, you know, from the RP side, we saw that clearly and, um, you know, once we realized that our press releases just from the company side were being routed to the White House from Unified Command, then we had to shut that process down. Uh, and that just got in the way of, you know, the cooperation within the Unified Command for that whole thing. So there was, yeah, so many things going on. But, you know, where it really came into play was, you know, down on the coast and, you yeah. We're, we're, we're going out to do a press conference out on Dauphine Island. And uh, Coast Guard's going to join us along with the uh, state of Mississippi folks. And on the boat ride out, the Coast Guard guy says, well, we can't appear with you in a press conference. We've been yep. told yep. that we cannot appear alongside you. So the whole unified command piece just crumbled. All right, Adam, hey, Thanks for joining us today. Uh, I feel like we've just only scratched the surface of the stories that exist in your brain. A quick note for our listeners. 
That concludes this portion of our conversation with Adam Wine. On our next episode, we'll continue the conversation, and we're going to talk about the public information officer, the liaison officer roles, and how they cooperate in order to meet stakeholder needs for information. We're also going to discuss what happens when someone on your response team isn't working out. They aren't quite cutting it. So we'll talk to Adam and get his thoughts on how you handle that situation. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Leading in a Crisis podcast. If you like what you're hearing here, then please like and subscribe to the podcast and give us a five-star rating. And please tell your friends and colleagues about us as well. And we'll see you again soon on another episode of the Leading in a Crisis podcast. Thank you.